of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Without waste of time, let us go to Luke 13. From verse 10 to 17. Amen. Luke 13, verse 10, it reads in this man I found, says, and he was teaching. Amen. Says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. 18 years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosened from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and them therefore come and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou art a hypocrite. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox? or his ass from the stall, and lead him away to watering. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosened from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him as we bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, this evening we are very much thankful to have made it our way to the house of the Lord. Lord, we know that as we come here, this is the place where the material is available to prepare us. And that is why I believe the believers would agree whenever the more we hear the word, the more we become what we hear. And Lord, just help us to fully surrender to the way to dear God. As the prophet says, this message is the son of man, and we are feeding on the son of man. Maybe we encourage by feeding on the son of man. May we be victorious by feeding on the son of man. May we be healed by feeding on the son of man. And Lord, I know as long as we feed on the Son of Man, our ways are bound to please you, dear God. Our lives are bound to please you, dear God. You have become an object of admiration. And Lord, that is why every believer, they would want to impress you. Every believer would want their lives to resonate with your word. And that is why we have come here just to make a comparison between our lives and your way. May you give us the spirit of humility. 
that if our lives are in no way comparable to the weight, may there be an adjustment on our part. And Lord, fully acknowledging that you will never and you have never adjusted your weight to suit us. It has always been us that must adjust our lives to suit the weight. This evening, help us, dear God. If there are those that are sick and afflicted, may you touch them, dear God. May you hear their humble cry. May you grant them miracles that they need. May you move in a very special way in their life so that they can have a testimony as we commit to this service. It is your service, and dear God, you can move in any manner that you see fit. You can speak in any manner that you see fit. It is your service, dear God. And at the end of it, your name should be glorified. Not a man, but yourself, dear God. As we commit every man and woman, including myself, to you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As you take your seats. Amen. Just uh, a couple of minutes. We just want to look into the subject, the power of identity. Amen. That's one we just want to take a couple of minutes looking into this evening. Amen. And then uh, my eyes just fell on the scripture and they will try to build a scenario from this scripture. Amen. Now, We, we read here about this woman that had a spirit of infirmity uh, for 18 years. She suffered for 18 years. Amen. 18 years is quite a long time. A lot of people could give up in 18 years. But uh, we must always remember, uh, blessed are those that wait upon the Lord. Amen. It doesn't matter how long you've been waiting for. What matters is the one that you've been waiting upon. Are we together? Because she suffered for 18 years. You look at the woman with the blood issues. She suffered for 12 years. The man at the pool of Bethesda, his condition was like that for 38 years. But what matters is that after the waiting, then Jesus came along. Amen. And everyone that is waiting upon him, I can tell you at some point in time, he will come along. Are we together? But there are certain things that must be done while one is waiting. Are we together? Uh, the Bible says he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bowed together and could not in no way wise lift up herself. Uh, the, 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 this condition today, they call it, uh, the, or the closest disease that comes to this condition is called Mary Strompel disease. Amen which is the fusion of the spinal bones. Hallelujah. Amen. And sometimes uh, one's physical body sometimes can reflect 
the torment that the soul goes through. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. Not always the case, but sometimes is the case. Hallelujah. So this, for 18 years, this woman could not lift herself up. She had to rely on people, or on the midst of people, maybe for somebody to bath her or to take her wherever she wanted to go and do errands. Amen. But what amazed me is that for 18 years in this disabled condition, but yet she was found at the right place. Hallelujah. While she couldn't help herself, but she was found. This is a woman that knew what physical infirmity was. This is a woman that knew what a daily discomfort felt like. She might have been embarrassed by her condition. Hallelujah. She might have had a lot of reasons not to go to church, but yet this woman was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Hallelujah. That's why I say, make sure that you are waiting at the right place. Hallelujah. So, well, she, I don't know how she got up there to be in the synagogue, but for some reason she ended up being there. Amen. And I don't know how long she has gone there. Maybe she might have gone there weekly, but for some reason she kept on going for 18 years. I mean, if you break it down, if she was there weekly, hallelujah, it's run about 52 weeks over 18 years, it must have been, and for somebody that cannot walk, what, what, a, what a commitment, what a commitment, what a, what, what a perseverance, hallelujah. I, I can tell you something, you may be doing certain things for God, and you may think no one notices, but he does notice, and at the right time, he will reward you. Are we together? For 18 years, this woman carried herself, and she was there. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know what kept her going, but I'll get to what might have kept her going. Maybe she might have said that today might be the day. This service might be the service. Hallelujah. And, And for some reason, she never got discouraged. The deeper her sorrow, the sweeter her song. Hallelujah. I'm simply painting a picture that sometime God will be quiet about your situation and observe how you behave while you're waiting. And my question this evening, I say, have you got the ability to trust God when he's silent? Hallelujah. Yes, people can trust him when he opens the Red Sea. People can trust him when he stops the sun. But have you got the ability to trust him when he's silent? Uh, Hallelujah. So for 18 years, this woman, for some reason, she kept on going. She was persistent. She was hopeful. She never gave up hope. Hallelujah. Uh, And her condition, uh, in no way, let's not negate her condition it was, it was not an easy condition. She did not have a runny nose. She did not have a cough. This was 
a condition that if they say she was bowed together, she could not even look up. She had to be carried. Her position, she always looked on the ground. Hallelujah. But uh, she came there in the Snagana Cock and, and she was there. But one day something very interesting happened. Then Jesus came along. Hallelujah. And, and you know, when you read about Jesus in the Bible, you can see that wherever he was, there was somebody that, was, that needed him. Hallelujah. He moved, he moved based on the needs of the people. He was not just moving aimlessly. The reason he had to go by Samaria, the Samaritan woman was there. Hallelujah. The reason he, 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 he honored the invitation of Simon the Pharisee, knowing that he did not love him, is because there was a prostitute woman there with an alabaster box. Whenever you see Jesus moving, there is something that is pulling him. And I believe if you are in need of him, he's here this evening. Your faith might have pulled him into the service. I hope we are together here. Now, the Bible says when Jesus saw her. Amen. The Bible has got a way of putting things when Jesus saw her. I, I went to look at uh, this kind of thing. And, uh, and I realized people can look at you but not, look, but not see you. Hallelujah. The see here in Greek, it means idon. It means to perceive with eyes, to discern, to understand with mind. Hallelujah. She had been there many a times. People saw her but never saw her. But when she came there and Jesus was there, when Jesus looked at her, Jesus saw her. It means Jesus was able to, the eye of Jesus was able to look at the torment that this woman had gone through. Jesus looked at her and saw the suffering that she had gone through. And this evening, I may not go know what you are going through. We may never know what you are going through. But as long as you can catch the eye of Jesus, he will look at you in a very special way. And there is something amazing about when Jesus looks at you. He sees things that people never see. Hallelujah. When everybody sees at the surface, Jesus' eye is able to penetrate the surface. And, 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 and it's quite amazing that uh, uh, you may be look at yourself and people may look at you and not see much. But when Jesus looks at you, he may pull something out of you that you never knew it was there. <laughs> Hallelujah. He may tell you something about you that you never thought somebody could tell you. Hallelujah. You remember with the Samaritan woman, the way Jesus looked at her. Jesus was able to penetrate and look into even her personal affairs until she said, we know when the Messiah cometh, he will tell us all things. There is something special about being told something about yourself that you never knew it was there. Hallelujah. And I hope that is why we have come to church, so that he can speak to us about us, about things about us that we never knew were there. Hallelujah. I hope we are together here. Now, when, when Jesus looked at her, it's quite amazing because 
He called her to him. Hallelujah. And I, and I, I looked at this, I went through this text and I said to where would Jesus see a woman that, had bow, that, that was bowed together? And when he looked at her and Jesus said, come unto me. Why would Jesus ask her to do something that this woman was unable to do? Hallelujah. And let me tell you something. Sometimes God will call you to do things that are impossible. Sometimes it is a sign that he is the one that is calling you. Uh, hallelujah. It's because in, in Jesus, the way he looked at her, and the reason he said, come to me, you must remember Jesus says, I will never do anything until I see the Father doing. Already in a certain realm, the woman had already stood up. In a certain realm, the woman was walking. Hallelujah. And Jesus was looking to make sure that what he had seen in the spirit was now manifested in a physical realm. And this morning, this evening, I can say, the word can say certain things to you and you say, but why? It's not relevant to me. Because God will always address you based on where you are supposed to be rather than on where you are. Hallelujah. Because once God calls you towards something, it's already, the, day, the journey is already completed. Hallelujah. If God says you are going, we are going to heaven to him, you are already in heaven. If God says you are going to be healed, you are already healed. If God says it, consider it done. Are you here this evening? Hallelujah. You, you may remain with mind battles to say, but is it for me? Hallelujah. But my question was, would be, have you heard him speak to you? If you have heard him speak to you and the voice was authentic, then it applies to you. Then if I was you, I was going to operate based on what I've heard him saying. Hallelujah. He called her to him after he had looked at her and said unto her, Woman, not that you are going to be loosened, but woman... Thou art loosened from thine infirmity. Hallelujah. And he, he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Isn't it such a beautiful miracle? I mean, if we've got somebody that comes to this church crippled for 18 years, and one day a man comes here and says, Woman, thou art loosened. Stand up and walk. It should be a miracle that everybody must celebrate. It should be a testimony to everybody that God is alive. But that was not the case because immediately when the good was happening, already the ruler was filled with indignation. Hallelujah. While the power of God was moving, somebody got upset. Because why? It is because legalism and grace collided. Hallelujah. This man, uh, the ruler, he had a legalistic mindset. This is how it's supposed to be happening. This is the doors, the, the, the boxes that we must tick for us to have a proper service. But let me tell you something. God does not work with our programs. And sometimes we must allow him to interrupt our programs so that he can do whatever he wants to do. Are you here, church? Sometimes as human beings, we come upon, we do our own programs until such time. And that's how denominationalism comes about. 
Hallelujah. You can never program the spirit of God. Hallelujah. God can move in a special way and God, whenever he moves, he contradicts our own thinking. This man thought it was Sabbath, but to Jesus, that was the right time for somebody to be healed. Are we together? And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. He was quite heated because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Hallelujah. And he interrupted and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. Hallelujah. Trying to negate what had transpired right there. Hallelujah. And I want to say, this man turned around while something good is happening. Then he turns around and criticizes Jesus. Let me... And let me take a few minutes here and speak something about criticism. If you succumb to criticism, sometimes when you are being criticized, criticism, you may not be the target of criticism. You may be, the people that you are meant to benefit might be the ones that become the target. Hello? And when you succumb to criticism, you may fail to help somebody that you were not even aware that you were born to help. Are we together? And I'm saying, let me tell you something. In, in life, I don't know, how many have been criticized here? Hallelujah. If you've never been criticized, good luck with you. At some point in time, you will meet it. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. The, the criti- I mean, they criticize Jesus here. And... and I'm going to get into the identity here. The prophet of God says in this message, what a, what, a, what a beautiful picture of the church. Before, I'm in the message, Jesus at the door, paragraph 10. What a beautiful picture of the church. Before the church can ever be taken out of the critics, it has to go through the critics first. Hallelujah. And if it means the church, it speaks about you. Hallelujah. And, and just imagine if Moses could have succumbed to criticism, they would have never come out of Egypt. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Imagine if Elijah had succumbed to criticism, we would have never had whatever the acts that Elijah did in the Bible. I'm simply saying sometimes as a person, especially as a Christian, you've got to have a thick skin yes. to follow God's move in your life. Hallelujah. If people talk, let them talk, but go, you move with the call of God. Yes. That's why, as you are being called, never forget the freshness of the call that you once received from the Almighty God. That even when the journey becomes more heavier, you still remember that the one that called me is still speaking to me. Yes. Because... It will be a one voice that calls you, but there will be many other voices that would want to dull that voice. Are we together? And the right voice will always speak from within. Because that is the still small voice. And you've got to be attentive to that still small voice. Are we together? I hope you are still with me here. Now, 
And imagine, uh, as they say, tallest trees catch the most wind. Sometimes you've got to remember, when you are a message believer, you will attract a persecution. Because he attracted persecution. Hallelujah. And if you are the kind of person that easily crumbles, then you are going to have a problem because we are in a war zone, folks. Hallelujah. Amen. I just imagine how many people could have been great assets to the kingdom of God, but they have succumbed to the spirit of criticism. Amen. A lot could have come out of those people's lives, but because of critics and until... And, and let me, if you are going to do something, you are going to be criticized. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you are going to do something, you're going to make mistakes. That's why Brother Bram speaks about that man where they were going to write an exam and they wanted to give him an eraser. He says, look, I'm, I'm not going to need this eraser. And they said, these are the kind of people that we don't hire at this company. May you excuse us, say, we want people that can make mistakes. Hallelujah. And I want to say, you are going to make mistakes. But you must learn from your mistakes. You must never repeat your mistakes. And you young ones here to hear, listen to me. If somebody has done a mistake and you observe them, you must learn from their mistakes and by all means never repeat the mistake that you have seen somebody doing. Are we together? If you repeat the mistake that somebody has done and you have looked at them and you walked right into it, uh, there's no better way to explain that. That's foolishness. Uh, Are you still with me, church? Amen. In the message, behold, I stand at the door and knock, paragraph 13, 1, 3. He says, all that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecutions. Because it must go through criticism. No criticism, no glory. Are we together? Amen. I'm reading in the message, Jehovah of miracles paragraph 33 it's he speaks about uh, mary he says she started right away giving praise to god telling the people that she was going to have a baby knowing no man now remember she had thrown herself in liability or liable for criticism but mary didn't stop to think about criticism she didn't care about criticism when a man comes to get to the Holy Ghost, you don't care what the neighbor is going to say. You don't care if you shout, you speak with tongues, whatever you do. It's past that. You have taken God at his weight. You don't care for criticism. You have lost all your devil made, homemade intellectual society called prestige. The thing that you want is favor with God. You don't care what the Holy Spirit causes you to do, to shout, scream, or crawl, or brawl, anything you want to do. Anything the Holy Spirit puts you to do, you do it because you don't care. You have lost all that man-made stuff. You are free in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God has set you free. You are free in the power of God, bathing in His beauty. 
worshipping him in spirit and truth. You are a free person. You have taken God, the word of God. It took a hold in your heart. You don't care. You are throwing yourself up. Hallelujah. It means, and that's why Brother Brenman, one message says, sometimes you've got to walk unconscious of criticism. Hallelujah. He says, walk unconscious of what the people are saying. And I'm saying in the end time, Jesus never cared whether he broke the Sabbath. Because he knew who he was. This is the power of identity. He knew that the Sabbath that had been spoken of in the Old Testament, he became that Sabbath. Hallelujah. And if he became that Sabbath, he was going to become rest to that woman that had suffered for 18 years. Do you, do you see how when you are liberated through you, other people get liberated? Are, are we together? Amen. Now, after this man had spoken with his legalistic perspective, then the Lord then answered him and said, Thou art hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? If I was this man, I would have been worried that this woman had come here for 18 years and there was no help. I was going to be worried that in her condition, it seemed like no one would help her. And if she was help, I was going to start praise God and say, at least she's getting help. But not this man. Until Jesus spoke to him and said he's a hypocrite and said, ought not, listen to this, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, no one, no one until that moment knew who that woman was. Hallelujah. Maybe she had a lot of ways that people used that she described her. Maybe they described her as that disabled sister. Maybe they describe, there's a lot of human terms that they might have used to describe this woman. But when Jesus came, Jesus was able to pull a true identity in the midst of her disability and say, woman, you are greater than your disability. Actually, these are not the sons of Abraham, but you are the daughter of Abraham. I don't know how she must have been felt. And let me tell you something. Jesus did not, could not say something until he traced it based on her lineage. She, she was the daughter of Abraham. And being a daughter of Abraham during that time, it was aspirational. Everyone wanted to identify themselves with, with Abraham. That's why he kept on saying, you are not of your father Abraham. But when he came to this woman, he looked at her and saw that this woman was not just a disabled body, but was somebody in God's economy. People may look at you and say, you are nobody, but I'm here to tell you, by the grace of God, you are somebody in the kingdom of the almighty God. And that's why Jesus could address her in the manner that was fit. This daughter of Abraham. I think men must have fallen off their chair and said, what manner of address is this? Hallelujah. And I'm, now I'm coming to my point. The reason she made it there to the synagogue for over 18 years is not because she wanted to impress anybody. Hallelujah. Because even when she was dressed, she couldn't look better dressed because she was bowed down. But the reason she, she had that pool, hallelujah, 
her identity called her to be a worshiper. Despite her environment, despite her condition, despite her background, her identity was more stronger. And I say in the end time, there will be deception. In the end time, there will be opposition. In the end time, there will be persecution. But those that have a divine identity, those that have a divine identity, they are coming out of this generation. Stay with me here. Whether the devil likes it or not, they are coming out of this generation as believers. And the devil will never change their makeup. And I had much better report, I'm one of them. And you can say, I'm one of them. I may look all crooked up, I'm disabled, unable. It matters not. What matters is that who were you? When before the, found- the, the, the foundation of earth was laid out. Who, who are you really? Before angels were created. Who are you really? Before there were planets. And I can say if you are a daughter of God. It does not matter where you find yourself. You are going to worship God in that condition. And God is going to be glorified in that condition. And the devil will look at you and wonder why you do not give up. It's because there is a higher identity. A divine identity. If, if you cannot look, you know, if, if you had looked at her, but with, without the discerning eye, she looked repulsive. Her condition was not desirable in any way. Hallelujah. Do, do, I don't know if you have ever been sick, you understand. Sickness can rob you of your dignity. One moment you are able to take yourself into the bathroom, the next moment you are being carried. You've got to back people to carry you there. But, but I, I wonder, how did she left her home to be where Jesus met her? Hallelujah. She must have asked the people to say, carry me to church. And they must have, those that were able got tired to carry her. But she never got tired to be carried. She always looked, is there anyone more that can carry me to church? Because I'm going to be there. Something is going to happen. I need to go there. And I can tell you, the reason God became flesh, it was to honor her needs. I hope we are together here. And it says, listen to others. He says to them first before they get here, thy sin is forgiven. This one, the reason she was in this condition is not because she had committed sin. Sickness does not always mean one has committed sin. Sometimes it's a trial. Sometime you spoke so much of God that it upset the devil until the devil goes to God and says, can I have a permission? 
to go and test those songs, those testimonies, how he witnessed or she witnessed about. Can, can I test that? And let me, God will always give the enemy an opportunity to test your testimony. Because the enemy was created for that purpose. Are we together? No. God, is she really genuine? Is he really genuine? Uh, David, go and find out. Go and find out. And all of a sudden, something goes wrong. And the next time, something goes wrong. And he comes, he reports to to God and says, No, it's because you have built a hedge. Maybe it's because the believers somewhat understand him or her. And God says to the devil, you can go and cause a misunderstanding between him and the believers. When God wants to test you, he will leave nothing to chance. Okay, maybe the husband is the one that is a moral support. No, go and touch even that marriage. Hallelujah. Everything was tested about Job. But you know what kept Job going? Even himself, he did not know how he moved from one day to the next. But what made him to move from one day to the next was his identity. Your identity speaks to how you are made. Your identity speaks about your genes. Your identity speaks about your material. God knew that the job was made of a material that can never give up. He was made of a material that can never stop worshipping God. Even when he had no reason. But something in Job, in the fiber of his being, something said, you gonna go, you going to stand up Job and worship God. He did not have a reason, but it's because of his identity. And when Job was about to give up, God comes to him and says, Job, stand up and speak like a man. Where were you? When the morning stars sang. Where were you when the sons of God shouted for joy? Do you see God was, 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 was connecting the place of origin of Job with Job to say, the condition that you find yourself, you are higher than that. And if, uh, if God had allowed me to preach and to pick back on that statement, I would have said, Job, where were you before you came into the body? Job, where were you before the devil was created? Job, where were you before there was the planets? Job, where were you before there was your marriage? Job, where were you? And it's because something in Job, his identity must have responded and said, I was there. And I've got a question to you. Before this modern Sodom condition, where were you? Hallelujah. Before all the diseases that we see, where were you? Before this hatred and criticism, where were you? And if you were there, you will be there after that. I, I, I don't know, folks. I don't know for 18 years, this woman that was disabled, she must, because she was not born like that, she became disabled. But I, I think in her 18 years, 
she must have said through this dark tunnel, the same light that I saw 18 years ago before I went through this experience is the same light that I will see on the other side of this tunnel. And I want to say, this trial that you are going through, you must say to the David, I might be going through a dark tunnel, but the same Shekinah glory that I've experienced with God before this trial is the same Shekinah glory that I will experience with God after the trial. There is no trial that is forever, folks. Trial come and go. It may last for a year. It may last for two years. It may last for 10 years. It may last for 15 years. But at some point in time, there must be a time where it is over. I hope you are with me here. And it says, Ought not this daughter, Ought not this woman, Being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound this 18 years. Bound. Fusion of spine. Bowed together. Couldn't carry herself. Looking down, couldn't lift up. Couldn't walk with sense of confidence. Compromise their dignity. But Jesus came. And while everybody's looking at the disabled person, Jesus is a daughter of Abraham. Is it not the same with you? When you were a sinner, but one day when Jesus looked at you, he saw something that you never knew existed in you. Isn't the same with Nathaniel? When he was called by Philip, And he looked at Nathanael and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guide. Until Nathanael said, There is only one that can know me in this manner. Is the Messiah himself. Do you remember when you were broken? Do you remember when you thought there wasn't much to you? But when you came into his presence, he looked at you and overlooked your weaknesses. He looked at the beyond the matter of sin upon your life and said, that's my daughter. That's my son. And there was a new realization. And I want to take you back to that moment. Because over time we develop pride. Until such time when you come into church, somebody wearing a short skirt who has just staggered into church, you look at them in a very judgmental way. Why is she dressed like that? Why are people coming to church dressed like that? It does happen. Spirit of self-righteousness over time. And it becomes, I see it this way. I prefer it this way. But remember there was a time when we were like nobody. And he looked at you and took a liking and transformed you. Because he saw higher than what you saw in yourself. And today you are here, we can say you are a gene of God. Hallelujah. But where did he find you folks? Like this woman. 
He says, ought not. Remember, even with the prostitute, let me touch on this one. He was invited by Simon's servant, came there to invite Jesus for a, a feast. When he came there, he made his way, Brother Brenham, until he said he spoke to Philip and say, I'm from my master to your master. I've got an invitation on such and such day. You need to come. There is a feast that is going to take place. And Jesus looked at the invitation and said, look, I'm going. And this disciple says, but Simon hates you. Where would he invite you? He says, I'm going. And he took some, Brother Bram says, he took some several days with a long rope, walking towards where someone was staying. He says during that time, there were manures all over Israel, and the ropes will pick them up. The weather is humid today. There's a lot of sweating. That's why whenever a visitor came to visit you, you would meet them at the door and wash their feet, give them a new robe, give them the sandals, and say, you're welcome. But he says when he got there, Already, Dr. Jones was already giving his speech, did not see Jesus coming through. And it says he went in, nobody noticed until he took a corner, a, a, a seat at a corner somewhere. Brother Bram says he looked like a neglected flower. Yes. Hallelujah. He says the way dignitaries busy with their speeches, failing to realize that the creator of heavens and earth was there neglected like a flower. But, but there was a purpose why he went there. And there was a purpose why he took that corner. And it says there are people that were invited. Hallelujah. Today we call them gate crushers. Invited but not allowed to come closer. They were looking through the fence until one woman looked and identified and said, But that, that is Jesus. That is Je- why is he looking like that? Brother Prem said this woman left. And ran home and took all her life savings. She was a prostitute. Took all her life savings and took the money. Went to uh, the shop and bought the most expensive suit, uh, uh, perfume, which is an alabaster. And it says when he bought it, he put all his li- her life savings there. Until a man said, but you can't spend all that money on a perfume. But that day, Brother Bram said, she said, I'm going to spend every cent upon him. And bought it and took that one and ran back. Brother Bram says when she got there, she had to nudge her way through the crowd. He says there is always an obstacle between you and him. You've got to fight your way towards him. And when you fight your way towards him, he will come nearer to you. Are you here, church? There's many obstacles that will want to prevent you from coming into his presence. But I said to you, keep on fighting. And she nudged her way and walked through the crowd until she came by the feet of Jesus. And when she came there, she started crying because she realized I'm unworthy. She realized I'm a sinner. I need his grace. And as the tears were streaming down, those tears were washing the feet of Jesus. And she had a long hair. With the hair, she wiped off the feet of Jesus. And with her, that old man, she began to smear the feet of Jesus with that perfume. Hallelujah. Until when a prostitute was there with him, they turned around and said, 
goodness, if he was a prophet, he would have known what kind of a woman was she. And I say, she was a prophet. She came for such. Are you here, church? Are you a sinner? She, he came for such. And the woman was there crying. And someone said, only if he was a prophet and would have known what kind of woman is she. Until Jesus turned around and said, Simon! There were two people that owed a man money. And one owed this much, another one owed this little much. But both of them were told that their debt has been written off. Tell me, Simon, who was going to be more grateful? And it says, the one whose debt was heavy and said, you see this woman. She's a prostitute. I came to your house. You never looked at me, but she looked at me. She has washed my feet with her tears. She has wiped my feet with her hair. And I want to tell you, Simon, the sins of this woman that were many are now forgiven. What pulled her? She may have looked like a prostitute, but divinely, she was not. There's a difference between what the devil can make you become and what will pull you out of what he has made you to be is who you are. Who you are and what you are is not the same. I'm a pastor, but that's not who I am. That's what I am. Are we together? Who, are, who you are is your identity. You were never a sinner. That's what you became. And whatever you have become, you can unbecome. Are you here, church? Whatever you have become, you can unbecome. You became a sinner, but you were never a sinner. Who you are, you are a child of God. And one day, what she became, she became disabled. But who she was, she was the daughter of Abraham. How she was treated, it was based on what she had become. She was lame, disabled. But one day, somebody who has the ability to look beyond what you are and find who you are came along and said, this is the daughter of Abraham. And that's what we want to say to you this evening. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. Brother Branham says in this message, the path of life. Amen. Now, amen. I just want to balance it off because I said, sometimes be unconscious of criticism. But Brother Branham in one message says, there is a constructive criticism that can come from your brother. Hallelujah. Do you see when this man criticized Jesus, he just went to the people. But real criticism is when your brother comes and you sit together and say, my brother, what you are doing is not right. Let's fix it like this. Wrong one is when I go to the people. Hallelujah. 
And sometimes believers be careful. Gossip can take many forms. These days when a believer wants to gossip, they don't just go and say, have you heard? Say, you need to pray for brother Clement. (laughs) Why? No. This is what's happening. It's gossip. But hidden under prayer request. Are we together? And and sometimes if if you want to correct somebody, take responsibility. Don't come with the old tired approach of saying, people say. Which people? What are you saying? Yes, people, that's what they say, but what are you saying? Be a man, be a woman, take accountability and say, I observed. And I think things are not right. And I think they can be fixed this way. Let's pray together about this. Then you are a believer with credibility. Are we together? Amen. And sometimes, let me tell you something. Uh, some real friends, they can talk knowing that. A real friend is not afraid to risk your relationship with them if they want to save you. But if somebody just tells you goody goody all the time, <laughs> might be the dangerous one. You heard me, believers. I just wanted to balance it. God bless you richly as we stand up. How many remember this morning, this evening?
brother Philip comes. grateful Lord to be able to be called the sons and daughters of God. Thank you Father. And oh Lord God we just, all we can say it's, it's grace, it's grace, it's grace oh Lord. Nothing that we've done, nothing that we've said oh Lord. It's just your grace and mercy oh Lord God. And all we think of the revelation Lord where it says from the throne of grace the, the grace was flowing like a river. Yes. Lord it was first ankle height, then it went to knee height. But then to the thigh, and then you couldn't, you had to swim in it, oh Lord. And we're so grateful that your mercy, Lord, it goes into places where we would never think it would yes. go, Lord. It picks up people, Lord, where we thought would never be there, oh Lord. And we're so grateful, Lord, that we were one of them, oh Lord Jesus. And who are we, Lord, to condemn others, oh Lord God, to look down upon others. But oh Lord, it's just by your grace, oh Lord God. And all of us are grateful for tonight, our Lord, that your love, your mercy, Lord, Thank just showing you. us once more that you are in control, our Lord God. And all we've got to do is to worship you, to praise you, to glorify you, and do what you said we must do, our Lord. We're so thankful for it, Lord. And oh Lord, may your blessing go with us further, Lord. Those that couldn't make it, Lord, may you also touch them, our Lord Jesus. Yes. May we go home, Lord, with us, a spirit of, of blessing, Lord, that a blessing may fall upon them, Lord. And we're grateful, Lord. Bless the pastor, Lord. We're so grateful, Lord Jesus, for your love, your mercy, Lord. The gift that you've given him, our Lord. Lord, and we pray, Lord, may go with us further, Lord. Let thy will be done, Lord. Until we meet again, Lord, may we just contemplate on these small things, our Lord, and realize, our God, that you are in control. And just just, just to worship you, that's all we must do, Lord, is to love you, to worship you, Lord. And Lord, as your prophet says, we must fall in love with the, with the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. What you've done for us, O Lord, no man can do for us, O Lord Jesus. We ask it in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Just, uh, we are standing on holy ground.